Hello and welcome back to the Red Sector, a podcast about speedy motorbikes. On today's episode, we break down some news and hand out some awards. I am your host, Matt Polanski, joined as always by the MotoGP Encyclopedia, Bunno GP. Bunno, how you doing today, bud? Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. It's been a while since we've um, sat down and recorded an episode. Been busy with mm-hmm. life and whatever it's thrown at us, I suppose. But um, yeah, here we are. We'll fire through a bit of news that we've got to cover and then um got some got some good awards and some kind of quirky and weird ones but we'll just see how it They're goes all I guess. interesting um yeah looking forward to it yeah so uh like bono said we've been away for a little while you know we took a week off to recover from the moto gp season um we've had birthdays boilers exploding all the fun stuff so, uh, first thing we're going to get into is uh, some news, and the big news that popped off while we were away is that uh, Red Bull KTM Factory uh, announced that they were letting go of Michael Leitner. I don't know if it was that they mutually parted ways, what the deal, if he got fired, um, but he's gone, and they've replaced him with Francesco Gadotti who, you know, is is a shock one, you know, that he would leave the Pramac team. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of weird that an Italian manager, you know, team leader would leave a, a team that is so closely tied to Ducati that, you know, to go to the Austrian team. But, you know, money talks and, yeah, so... It's a new era for KTM. Yay. <laughs> yeah, call it call a spade a spade. Um mm-hmm. money will have made that that decision, I can assure you right. Oh now. yeah. Um But yeah, I I remember seeing the news and people were sort of like, Oh, you know, Guidot is very good with Pramac, he gets the best out of the riders that they produce and kind of bring through and nurture, and I'm like, Yep, good point. But then I look at KTM, a factory that have never won a world championship, a factory that have come on leaps and bounds, made so much improvement in the space that they have been in the sport. First time ever in the sport of like the top class having a full factory team, like the first ever time. Mm-hmm. And they've come from back markers to race winners with those people in charge. And because they've had one year where they've won two races... And people could say one of them was fluke, or you could say the other one was just like an out-of-the-blue thing, right? KTM not doing that well this year, as opposed to the proje- the projection sorry, that they were on from last year and years on was going up, 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 up. And this year they've sort of stagnated. To look at that and then go, right, well, if that's the case then, and sack in um, Mike Leitner for that, I just find so... Like almost grass is not always greener on the other side, sort of thing. But at, at the same time, not aimed at Guidotti in, in saying you're biting off more than you can chew. With like, what gives KTM the right to do that? Yeah, it's the like, yeah they could do what they want, but unless something's gone on behind the scenes where you know there's just been a falling out or whatever, if it's purely based on the stagnating side of like KTM's performance. I think it's ridiculous to sack him. I really do. Like, 
KTM have come from nowhere to to race winners, and have got now have got like a full academy in place that we speak of regularly, and they sack him on this year's performance. I could I could understand if KTM had not done anything this year, not improved at all through the year, but they started off mm-hmm. awful, like so bad. Oh yeah, and then. They've won two races. They've challenged for race wins. They've got podiums. And all of a sudden, they sack two of their riders mid-practice session halfway through the year and expect them to do well on an uncompetitive satellite bike. Mm-hmm. Both both are not going to be bothered. And you've got Miguel Oliveira that's been injured. And you've got Brad Binder that's, you know, sort of just putting up with a, an average bike as well as everybody else is. But... It's not like he's got any particular advantage in the position he's in, other than his contract right. being secure. So I don't know. I don't look at that and go, wow, that's bad management. I just look at that and go, that's part of being a MotoGP factory team. Like, no team is ever going to just constantly get better and better and better coming from where they've come from in the space that they, in the space of time that they have. Like, <clears throat> Imagine if Kawasaki came in next year and by 2027, let's say, they'd won races and then they just won as many races the next year or whatever and then they sacked the guy. You'd be like, it's a bit... Do you know what I mean? Like, You, you can't just expect to win harsh. more and more and more and more every single right. year. Like, It doesn't work like that. It's like the, the typical thing of just because it's new doesn't mean it's better in that their new bike mm-hmm. is not any better than their last year's bike but in the same way like is that all Mike Leitner's fault and is that the reason is getting rid of Mike Leitner the you know sort of like okay now we've got rid of him we'll get better straight away and carry on in that projection I don't know but I think it's if if it's what I'm reading into it if it's that if that's right I think it's a bit arrogant a bit bit nasty a bit you know dirty politics sort of thing yeah I mean only time will tell you know, how this will play out, but like looking at the statement um, that MotoGP posted, there was one like part I looked at and it like, when you hear some of the names that are associated with KTM now, Francesco Gadotti, Fabiano Sterlachini. I know I'm butchering these. Shut uh. up. Hervé Pontrol, Jens Heinbach, and Akiayo. Like, yeah, I mean, there's some names there that, that the whose names alone. Yeah, but I mean, Hervé Pontrol's not going to take that when he's got his own team and you know, sort of like built that up. I can't see him doing that unless they offered him mega money. Which why would Hervé Pontrol be your first pick? I don't know. Um, Akiayo, like you said, he has his own no. team. Yeah, Akiayo's got Aki- too good of a position Aki- in the in the classes he's got them in that he. He, yeah. If anything, he's more valuable there than he is in the factory team because he provides KTM foundations in the lower classes. So it's, yeah, they're, they're two names you can instantly sort of dismiss. But like, but just like having those names associated with your team, like if it's a sign of, you know, like what Akiyo and Pontrol have done with their teams, like hopefully KTM is on the right track by adding Gadotti into that, you know, arsenal. Yeah, I do think he'll be a good addition, don't get me wrong. I think I think he'll mm-hmm. definitely take them to a good 
level of, you know, like I don't think they'll be poorly managed, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're not bringing someone in. I'm like, right. he's never done it before. Um, You don't know how he's going to do, or, you know, it's a complete different role to what he's used to or whatever. Like, the guy's got experience and, you know, Pramac have come on leaps and bounds, don't get me wrong, but that's more so from how much Ducati are putting money into it. Like, when Guidotti was the manager of team manager of Pramac seven or eight years ago or whatever, they weren't high and flying. It's only the fact that now they've got like updated equipment and whatnot that they're even more competitive as they was before. Like I think it's sort of suppressing Guidotti's performance of a team manager over the fact that it is actually the you know Ducati are going all right. We'll build two. We'll build two more. 2022 bikes, 2023 bikes, 2024 bikes, as they go along for Pramac. Whereas Pramac before used to get the old bikes, whereas now they get the new bikes because Ducati throw more money at it. So that sort of makes Guidotti look better. And yes, I've just used the argument of new doesn't mean better, but in Ducati's case, it does because every bike they've produced in the last two years or three years or whatever has got better as each year's gone mm-hmm. along. Um, people might Imagine. argue that with the Vizioso in 2020, but I think that was a combination of more than just the bike. I, th- I don't think it got worse, but 2021 bike is better. 2022 bike mm-hmm. at the minute looks better. So From what they're saying is going to be better. Yeah, so with that being said, that instantly makes you look better, doesn't it, when you're being given that bike for being a satellite team. But let's see. Let's see what Guidotti can do with with KTM, I think he'll do well. I just, I think it's kind of being scanned over how KTM have sort of just ditched a guy that's gone from nothing to very, you know, important role in the team. And then all of a sudden it's like, sorry, we don't need you anymore. Go. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> what, what, what gives them the right to do that? But hey, yo. Uh, two other pool. <laughs> yeah. And one or two other points I want to make about this. Uh, the p- image they released of Pit Byra and Gadotti together. First of all, who do you really think is drinking the Red Bulls that they take these photos with? I guarantee you it's neither one of them. Yeah. Like, every time, and it's like, the the funniest one I ever saw was, uh, well, to me, it was uh, after Peko, or not Peko, uh, Checo Perez signed with Red Bull. They showed him like walking through the facility and he like grabs a Red Bull out of the fridge and like, look, it looks like he cracks it open. I'm like, he's not drinking that. Like, yes, he works for Red Bull, but he is not putting that into his body. Yes, yeah, it's, it's all a, you know, it's just a marketing then, thing in it. At the bottom of the paper in front of Gadotti, it says the opportunities are endless when you are fearless. What the hell are they signing? What is this document? Again, just marketing to bump <laughs> it all up in it and make it seem like it's everything, you know, do wonders and shit, cucumbers sort of thing. So, yeah. Like, it's just the most random shit in this picture. I think it's hilarious. Um, But yeah, so that's it for that bit of news. Uh, moving on to the next thing. Uh, we've got some word, well, maybe might have some word on what Valet might be doing next. Uh, tweet came out from the WRT racing team. 
Uh, it says that Valentino Rossi drove a Team WRT Audi R8 LMS in a private test at Valencia. This week, Team WRT has been testing the Audi Sport. Taking the track today was Valet with a view to evaluate few consider future consideration possibilities between the nine-time motorbike world champion and WRT. So Valet might be racing some Audi. Yeah, I mean... Everyone, you know, pretty much went towards, oh, Ferrari. He's going to drive Ferrari. Ferrari, Ferrari, Ferrari. And I think somebody pointed out in the comments, which is interesting, um, that they might uh, there might be a reason why. His team is running Ducatis. Ducati is owned by Volkswagen. Audi is also owned by Volkswagen. Yeah, sort of like a domino effect of Ducati are owned by yeah. Audi, Audi are owned by Volkswagen, yeah. Yeah, just because, yeah, oh, Ducati's an Italian brand doesn't necessarily mean, well, you pair up with Ferrari. It's like, well, Ducati is owned by Volkswagen, and so is Audi. So, yeah, the whole thing of, well, of automatically, well, oh, Valley's going to drive Ferraris at Le Mans may not be the case after all. said it before, and I'll say it again. That man could do whatever he wants. <laughs> yep. That man could literally drive for Audi one race and then go, you know what? Bored of this. Ferrari, do you want me to? Yep. Straight away. <laughs> they wouldn't even, they would not even bat he an could walk. He, he just wouldn't. He could walk up because of um, Ferrari's going to be coming to the, I think, the LMPH class. Right. And, uh, he could walk up and be like, ah, LMPH, me, now. And they'll be like, yes, sir, Mr. Rossi, right away, sir. They would. They would. You're mm -hmm. absolutely brain dead if you think that they wouldn't. You are right. brain dead. Like, I, I mean that seriously. Like, if you genuinely think that Rossi would get declined by any racing team in the world to touch any. one of their cars, bikes... It fucking kayaks you are brain dead you're brain <laughs> dead like, it it wouldn't even matter like how he did in the race no, no. it would for the publicity alone any team would take that in a heartbeat because the, they, the they would they... literally pay him to go and mm -hmm. you know there wouldn't be any form of like rossi has to do anything for it nope he would it, literally it, like, just, it, we would just message his manager and just go, mind doing that. And then he'd go, all right, Valley, um, give me 10 minutes. Give me just an hour. Find, you just It'll find the right people that know the right other people that come back and go, oh, my God, absolutely, yes, when, where, why, what. Like, yes, yes. Just the answer is yes, but we'll make it work. Like, you're telling me, yeah, if Ferrari had the chance to, for him to do a lap of honour at Monza next year, they'd go, no, because you've done a lap with Mercedes. You've done the Lewis Hamilton Mercedes like collaboration before. Get right. in the bin. Get in the bin. They would. They'd crumble if Rossi said like, "Yeah, I'd do that." Because again, the publicity of an Italian legend, the greatest motorcycle rider of all time, turning up to one of the most historic and you know authentic racing mm -hmm. events in the world to ever exist and represent Ferrari, an Italian brand racing in Italy in front of the Tifosi. It's literally making headlines as I say it. Like, mm -hmm. 
that is that is national news in Italy, front page, like straight I away. Put, I put a link to the tweet in our uh, in the Discord. Look at the picture of the car. Tell me that oh, does yeah, not. Yeah, I've seen that it. is beautiful. It's got the forty six on the side. It's like a gray, black, and red Audi. God. Yeah. I mean, I think I might get one of them. Just park it on the drive, just as a spare. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's weird because, like, the other picture is him talking to, I'm guessing, team manager or someone, and it, it's weird just to see him because he's still in the, uh, uh, what's the the uh, his leathers brand? It's like Dainese. Dainese. He's in Dainese fire suit this time. It's weird to see him like not in leathers. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean, but oh, just... the times I... they are changing. It's going to be as like it's it's obviously it's not you can't predict it, but whatever thing he races in or does a, a lap of honor in or what but mainly racing, but like whatever he does the last event without knowing it's going to be his last event. Let's say he does like a a wild card in GT3 racing for Ferrari in a Ferrari-themed mm. car or whatever, like a proper livery for Ferrari. And then hey, it turns out so. in five years' time, you're like, oh, that was his last race. Mm-hmm. That publicity in itself is big enough. Like it is for, oh, yeah. like it is for Patronus with MotoGP. People go on YouTube, Valentino Rossi, oh, my God, the greatest blah, 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 blah. Valentino Rossi last race. You know, people do that with Schumacher. They do it with you know, mm-hmm. you know, all these like greats of like Prost, Senna, this and that. Yeah. They'll look up Rossi last race and go, "Oh, Patronus Yamaha, like oh Yamaha publicity, Patronus publicity." So to even think about what the guy will do as his last race and stuff like that, again, that adds publicity. The guy could do anything. He could. You know, make himself a cup of tea, and the tea bags that he uses will get publicity. Like it, it's, it is that big. When you get that big, everything matters. Everything matters. Mm-hmm. But anyway, but yeah. on to yeah. some. Actually, no, we don't want to do awards we, we, just yet. No, we got one more thing uh, between that. Uh, so MotoGP released their annual fall report, and no, that is not talk about the season. It's about how everyone crashed out during the season, um, which it goes through all classes. Some of these statistics are all sessions. Um, the first one, top crashers through all classes for 2021. Uh, the top crashers, number one, Ika Likawona with 26. Number two, Mark Marquez number t- with 22. And third, Aaron Kinnett with 21. I've only just realized that you say Ika, mm, like Ika separate. Lekawana. You say it like separate surnames. You say <laughs> Ika Lekawona, not Ika Lekwona. You say Ika Lekawona. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm Americanizing it, goddammit. American and their pronunciations. Yes. Um, but yeah, then fourth, Paul Espargo with 20. Um, from there, You've got three tied at 19 with Alex Marquez, Albert Arenas, and Kai Totoba. The Arenas uh, one surprises me. I don't really remember him being 
Like, I remember him crashing a well, bit, but I don't, I'm not like, wow, like, yeah. That's mind you, this is yeah. all sessions. So this is practices. Yeah, yeah. But, I, you, know, you, you know, I like if unless I'm working or whatever, like I watch mm-hmm. every wheel turn. So like it, it's, it's to me, it's sort of like, oh, wow. I didn't I didn't really put Arenas in that bubble. But can right. it? I did because I know can it has had some like, yeah, he's had some rough weekends, but. Yeah, I don't know. Like the top Moto Three crasher, Tata uh, Tata Cobra. I did. <laughs> Kaita Cobra, not Tata Cobra. Um, fucking, I'm sitting there talking about pronunciations. I come out with that. It's been a long day, but I wouldn't have said he would have been the top Moto Three rider to crash. I would have said Tatsuki Suzuki, mm-hmm. which he is tied one crash for less sixth. for sixth. Yeah. yeah. Um, but somehow the, that guy's one... now got the best ride on the grid next year, which has still yeah. baffled me. But yeah, Cameron Bobier is tied with uh, Samcat Chantry for set uh, Chantra for seventeen. Which yeah, America. Anything to win. In... If you're on if you're on, if you're, if if we're on a list, it's a win. <laughs> um, Even if it's seven, something... it's close to a one. It's the closest number you're that looks right. to a one. So. That's, they're on the same list it's you a win, win. america yes. win um but something i thought was interesting uh just looking at the moto gp so you have Lakawana, marquez paula spargaro alex marquez and alicia spargaro out of those five three of them are hondas Shock of the century. <laughs> so it's really telling that that Honda was not good. Well, I don't mean to say I told you so, but <laughs> I told you so. And I remember doing the, was it Doha or Qatar? I forget which one, but I remember both LCRs crashing out and I think Paul might have crashed out. And I remember it was like one of the first podcasts I did. I remember just saying, well, that goes to show another year of Honda producing a god-awful bike. And who's at the top of the list? <laughs> oh, it's, Honda. it's Honda's new employee. Oh, brilliant. Fantastic. Um, have fun, Laquona, because you'll not be not crashing in a World Superbike. You'll, you'll probably, <laughs> yeah. if anything, you'll top that list as well because you're moving to another You'll awful break your bike. old record. But, yeah, it's, it was just really like, again, like, out of the, th- yeah, well, out of the five, you've got your top, like, th- you know, two, three, and four are the Hondas. I mean, Marcus it's... has done what? He's not even done every race. He didn't. He didn't participate no. in the first two, did he? <laughs> no, he missed those races, and then he missed what the final two races. Yeah, so because really, he had his concussion. Mark, on on average, Mark probably would have topped that list, which he he does most years, to be fair. But he does also win yeah. championships, but. Yeah, I mean, 22 crashes in less than four races than anyone else. He's, he's, he's not done bad. He's not done bad at all. He's made up for it, at least. Yeah, an 18-race season. Yeah, he was crashed. He crashed 22 times in an 18-race season. Is that how many races we had? So 18 take 18. Qatar, Doha. Yep. Portimao, Valencia. They're the, they're the four that he missed, aren't they? Yep. Wow. So, so out four, of so, so, so he, 14, 14 races, he, he crashed 22 times. Yeah, he was crashing 1.57 times a weekend. 
Yeah, I mean, he crashed three times at um, at Silverstone, I'm pretty sure. Crashed once at Maggots and Beckett's, once a thingy with Jorge Martin. And I think yep. he crashed somewhere else. I forget where, though. It's been it has been a very long day for anyone listening. So my <laughs> my encyclopedic brain has seems to reference it as is shutting is, down is, is shutting down for the day. So yeah, I'm sure somebody listening will know what crash I'm referring to. I feel like it might have been down at Farm or Abbey or something. I, I don't know, but um, but but yeah, yeah. Mark Mark always does it. I mean, it's just just Mark and it. He gets away with it, other than you know, in recent years. So of all three classes this year, there was 950 total crash, like fall offs. Do you know, Matt, do you know what corner, you've probably seen on Twitter, what corner was crashed at most all year? I did see this and that's, it comes up later in this list or later oh. in this report. Oh, does it? Yes, does it? it does. Oh, yes. Right, well, that's, um, sorry guys. That's my, that's my Ted talk quiz over for the day. <laughs> In MotoGP, there was 278 crashes for your lowest. Moto3 had 305, and Moto2 had 367 crashes. So you're talking in MotoGP, there was an average of 15 falls per weekend. In Moto3, there were 17, and Moto2, there was 20 average falls. So Moto2 takes the crown for most falls this season. Mm. Uh, going down, uh, it breaks down free per, or, by each practice session. Which session do you think had the most? Well, you're looking at the list. God damn it. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not looking at. Oh, wait, okay. What are you asking me? What session I'm looking at? What session do you think had the most crashes? <sighs> what? In... in... All classes. F in all classes. So FP one, two, three. MotoGP clearly takes FP four because they're the only one that does it. Q one, two, warm ups. We um, won't count the races because the rate. I'd say three. I'd say FP three just because people kind of yep. a bit more like, you know, all or nothing to get into Q two as opposed to F Q one into Q two. Mind you, the races have the most. It's 297 for the race themselves for each class. Uh, FP3 has 157. FP2, 125. FP1, 110. Yeah, but I mean, race, uh, race. I, I was more so associating like FP1 all the way up until warm-up as like, you know, right. just general. Session, That's why, you know, races clearly takes the Yeah, you know, yeah, lead. obviously, yeah. Because um, even, in, especially in the races, like, you get the bike so close together, one goes down, it's usually like another one or two go down with it. Yeah, and if you're going to push where, for the last, last, last bit of mm -hmm. grip, it's going to be in a race. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah and um, risks are a lot more prominent in a race. Warm ups, I was actually like surprised. There were 65 crashes in warm ups. Moto yeah. 2 took the lead with 32 crashes just. So they are almost more than half. But you think of like the philosophy going into warm up, it, you know, team managers are sitting there going, just don't do anything stupid. Get, mm -hmm. you know, see it as a warm up. Don't see it as a, you know, a world record, you know, test or anything. It's just a, you know, bit of a bit of a stretch, if you like. 
for the race, I think they'll be heavily advised. You, you're not competing, winning, you know, topping warm up, winning the Taka Nakagami award doesn't get you anything. Like, don't, you know, think that topping warm up is going to get you a medal. Um, right. There you go. That'd be, that'd be my first award, actually. Um, the Takanakagami Award and Takanakagami would win it. <laughs> <laughs> a topping and... warm ups and nothing else. Yeah. Uh, the last statistic is what one you mentioned earlier falls by corner and it gives you the top three. Uh, third place turns 16 at Mizano. That is the get. final corner. I don't get that. I thought it'd be turn 15 because turn 15 is a, a much more. Like, oh god, you know, sort of careful on that because it's the first corner of a left left hander for a while, as opposed to the second one. I wouldn't have thought they crashed as many at the last corner, but apparently eh. so. Well, but the turn fifteen is more of like a kink. It's not more, and like you really aren't breaking. You're sort of just like re- releasing the throttle and rolling through, and then back on throttle. Yeah, it's but it's more like the 16. lack of grip of like it's so cold on that side of the tire that it just drops. Like like Saxon ring, you know when they go like left, 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 right. They're not really right. breaking that much. It's more just how cold the tire is. It just has no grip. It just slides from underneath, like. Pecco, like Jack Miller. Well, but Pecco fell off at 16. That was 15. No, it was 16 because he was breaking and going down into the final corner at Mizano. No, Pecco crashed at 15. Like, if we're thinking of 15 as the same corner as in the first left-hander of the last two, that's, yeah, you... that's the one that he crashed at. He didn't crash at the last one. Yeah, because there's the right-handed hairpin and then, like, the left kink. Yeah, that's where he crashed. Then... Well, I thought it was down at towards 16, because no. then he, he went no. into the gravel trap. No, it was second to last corner. Penultimate corner, if you like. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone that knows that reference, you're an OG. <laughs> yes. Um, Number two on the list is turn one at Saxon Ring. Yeah. Which I want to know if... It, it, did 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 turn one at Saxon Ring get that? Because there was a crash, and I want to say it was like Moto Three, where like almost half the field got taken out. It's either Moto Three or Moto Two, but like a large number of bikes got wiped out. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Probably three. Actually, mm, say that Moto Two have been, according to your stats, have been pretty big on crashes. It could be two. I'm not sure. But turn one, Saxon Ring is a horrible corner because it's so like. I don't I, this, yeah. I don't. I don't think I've got the words to describe that corner. It's it all. It just comes out of nowhere over the brow of a hill. Like you don't even know where your braking marker even is until you've actually hit it and gone. Oh, I guess that's my braking marker. And then it sort of the camber just goes completely against where the rider wants to go. And it sort of really backs onto itself again. So it's just, I don't know. It it looks such an awkward corner. I never forget the, I think it was 2013, Danny Pedroza crashed there and broke his collarbone. Shock horror. I mean, Danny Pedroza breaking a collarbone is like me having breakfast. But um, yeah, horrible corner. And I do do question why. So So basically, number one is turn three at Le Mans. I well, don't like how they class that as turn three. I don't get that. Right. 
Like that's turn uh, two to me. Real quick on the Saxon ring thing. Um, both Moto2 and Moto3 had eight crashes in that race, so it could have been either one of them. <laughs> that's clarified nothing. <laughs> yes. But yeah, uh, turn, because with Lamar, you come across the start finish line, then there's like kinks in the straightaway that they classify it's like as one big one right turn, but I don't know how you can class that as two different corners. But anyway, it, it's the corner I mean, it's that the made same... the magical, like, you know, the magical slide and run. Yeah, because it's the first left-hander, because basically you've come, you know, to the second to the last corner, it's a right-hander, then the last corner's a right-hander, across start-finish line, down the straightaway. Yeah, the third it's to usually last cold. is the last left-hander. Yeah, it's usually cold and rainy at Le Mans. So, you know, the temperature alone is going to drop that left side of the tire to where you make that first left-hander and the bike just goes out from under you. And they even said, I think last season, there was a bunch of crashes at turn three also. Mm. Yeah. No, there's, I don't think there'll be many years where it's not up there for crashes because it's just Le Mans. It's the nature of Le Mans, like you say. Cold, Mm -hmm. wet, damp. And even if it is warm, it's a prominent corner for crashing anyway because of, like you say, there's no left-hander for ages and then you tip in and it's yep. cold, you know, and you're, you're breaking. A lot of the time, you've got to remember, they're cranked over on the right and they're breaking before they've even got it on the left side of the tyre. So it's already like asking a lot of the tyre to fold, like you saw with the Jack Miller crash. I don't know if you've ever seen that crash. It's a massive crash he had in 20... I want to say 16. I think I saw um, a replay of it when before yeah. Lamar this year. Yeah, he had a massive crash there, and what happened there was kind of the fear. And Marquez has had it before, but not. it didn't turn out to be as bad as what Miller's was, in that they've just gone and grabbed a load of front brake and then gone to you know turn whilst braking, and the, the bike, the front wheel's just folded, and they've just carried on going right, and it's a scary, scary crash. But yeah, no surprise there with Le Mans topping the uh, crash list. In general, as a circuit, it probably tops it. To be fair, yeah, like I said, between the rain, the type, the cold temperature, they've even talked about maybe moving Lamar, trying to move yeah. it to a different part of the year so it's not as cold, it's not as crappy weather. Um, so no yeah, guarantee. it's an interesting report. Um, you can find it on MotoGP's website. It was published, uh, I think, back in November. There's no date on it I can see right away. But yeah, if you just look up uh, MotoGP Fall Report on Google, it'll pop up. It's an interesting read. It shows some interesting statistics across all classes and stuff like that. So yeah, um, but with that, we're going to move into some awards. Uh, and we've got a couple here. We've got some funny ones, some uh, weird ones. Um so we're going to go with the first award, which Josh came up with. It is the outstanding contribution in testing the durability of race leathers. So this is somebody who's crashed out a lot. Um, I mean, it would only be fitting to give it Laquona, wouldn't it? Really? Yeah. I mean, you like one had, like we just talked about, he had 26 crashes throughout the season. Um, But like I've said, you would kind of, I think a, a special mention would be Mark Marquez, not just because he's second in the list, but more the fact of 
Mark doesn't just crash. Mark crashes. So if we're talking about the durability yeah. of leathers, Mark, I think leather companies in general have looked at Mark Marquez and gone, oh my God, we need to up our game. As in like, <laughs> if that guy can survive that, then we need to make sure that like all our pay, uh, all our clients and whatnot can survive the same thing. Even though that guy is like, like a bendy ruler, like no matter what you do with him, you'll always come back and just be like, I'm fine. Other than yeah. her F last year, and, but yeah. I mean... You almost, I, I want to give him a shout out to Aleish too, because well, for one, he was on that list of the top crashers and he crashed, he was tied for second with the most crashes in the season, along with Josh's best friend, Alex Renz, with five race crashes through the season. So I think Aleish would probably get the silver on this mm. with Renz getting the bronze. Um, yeah, yeah, I can, I can back that. Yeah. So, next award we're going to give out is the best performance during a crap race, and this is basically looking at a race where maybe you know the outcome was pretty much known. Uh, yeah, the race just wasn't what everyone thought it would be, but somebody who performed well in a crap race. Yeah, my winner for that is Miguel Oliveira at Saxon Ring. Purely based okay. on the fact that Saxon Ring yeah, every... Marquez is hand in hand. Yeah. And Miguel Oliveira kept him honest the whole way. Well, and like I said, whenever we talked about that race after it happened, like you had, like everyone was just like looking at, like, oh, you know, Mark's going so far ahead and he's pulling this gap. It's like, yeah, but like Miguel's uh, like a second off of him, and there are like Miguel is like five seconds off the guy in third. Yeah, like Miguel beat Fabio by five seconds, beat Pecco by seven seconds, and yeah. Miller by eight seconds. Like, imagine if Mark had crashed out, Miguel Oliveira would have still thrashed the rest of the field. Uh huh. Um, and there was no battle for first, so to speak. Like you didn't challenge him in that sense, but no, for that reason, no, I would give it. I would give it Miguel. Yeah, because in that race, um, Mark started, I think it was fifth. Let me look. Uh, yeah, fifth place he started. And so by like lap one, he had already taken like the end of lap one, he had already taken the lead and just like was a rocket. Yeah. And for Miguel to keep as close as he did. Without crashing was just amazing. And it's just one of those things because of, like you said, Saxon ring Marquez hand in hand. Yeah. This was the first trip back. Mark was doing so well. And everyone just sort of forgot like, um, Miguel did pretty damn good here. And this is during his run of like, cause what, this was right after Catalan. Um, this was after what did, did he win at Magello? No, he came second at Magello. He won at Catalonia, Miguel. Yeah, he won it. He came second at um, he came second at Mugello, won at Catal at Barcelona, and then second in Germany. So yeah, like this the, was the like that spell. trend where you know the KTM's finally looked good again, and they went back into uh, hibernation. Yeah, and soon after. yeah, and then they you know fell off again. Um, until Brad Binder picked up his massive balls at 
Austria and then went, excuse <laughs> me, guys, I think I need to uh, make a statement, and then went, okay, let's go back to being mediocre again. Uh, let's go back to being crap. So I think we can both agree with that one then, yeah? Miguel Oliveira yeah. for Saxon Ring? Yeah, because like, just looking at some of the races, like every race was pretty good. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean... With, with, with and I'm not just saying this to crap on it, but with F1, you could probably pick... <laughs> You could probably pick oh. double-digit races that have been pretty crap, to be honest, like pretty average. Off as soon as you said F one, I immediately thought of like three races. Yeah, you could uh, you could just be like that one, 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 that one. Like, yep. Years gone by, I can only think of like three that I'm like for GP. I'm like that was pretty naff for GP standards. That's yeah, it. I know. Like Qatar, you had the uh, um, Vinales win. It looked like Vinales was going to take off. You had Doha yeah, with Fabio. Don't forget, win. you had that you had that Mia snatch from both of the Ducatis on mm-hmm. the first race as well, which was like mental to see. And then the Maybe. following race, you had Mia and Miller fighting. You had Fabio breaking yep. through from fifth. You had um, Portimao was, was that, good. Portimao. Portimao, you had the Rins Quattararo battle, and um, the Rins. Um, Zarco battle or the, uh, the Fabio Zarco battle for a little while. Mm. Um, and then you had Jerez, the Ducati, you know, one, two France. You had the flag, the flag race Magello. I mean, with the, you know, dark cloud that loomed over that you had, we still had that uh, last lap battle between Mir and Oliveira for second and third, mm-hmm. if you remember. And there was actually a lot of battling going on in like the middle of the field. That was really good. Um, and then, what Barcelona, else? you had the zipper gate. Yeah. Which um, actually, before sure. we carry on with the rest of the, the calendar, going into the next award, I think we'll carry on with the rest of the calendar in a minute. Mm-hmm. Next award is most what the hell did I just witness moment. <laughs> I don't think we need to speak much on that award in saying I, Fabio Quattararo takes that with absolutely flying colours. I I have something. I It might be close, but it... I. <sighs> The Fabio thing might take it. I do have another one I want to bring up. Um, but yeah, yeah, Germany with Mark's first win back. Netherlands with uh, Vinales winning. So it looked like Vinales was going to, you know, finally like regain some momentum. But well, then you had win, steer- he got second. He got second and he got really pissed off because Fabio won. Oh, yeah. Um, but it was still like before that Aston's you had Vinales. Good. Yeah, yeah. Vinales had been shit. He wasn't doing well. And it's like, oh, he's P2 again. Like, maybe he's like making a comeback. And no, he just fell off. Because the next, they went on uh, break. He comes back, tries to blow up a bike. You know, that made yeah. stereo all sorts of fun. Austria, where, you know, they had to reshape Bender's fuel tank to fit his fucking <laughs> testicles. Great Britain was good because, like we said, that was pretty much the race where Fabio. You know, that was Asserted the race where himself it was like, as like he's, okay, yeah. he's now the favorite of like, he, he, yeah, not, 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 I think he was probably the favorite for the title then still, but he was like, okay, now he's, he, he's, you know. Well, and then after that, you had Aragon, Peko's first win, battling against Mark. That was a good, that was a good battle. That was, that was a very uh-huh. good battle. Mazzano won. Peko wins a second, second straight. Yeah. And then you had Bastianini that was one, on the podium. Yep. Uh, America, you had um, 
Marquez. You had uh, Mark winning with uh, Pecco or not Pecco. I'd say it was field. a bit meh, but you had all the fucking like rodeo bumps everywhere and whatnot, which yeah. kind of made for a very on edge race. But there was quite a good midfield battle in that race, so I'll you know mm-hmm. I'll, ex- I'll kind of accept it. I say midfield battle, midfield allegiance, I would say, and I'm not naming names, but you know Ducati. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, you had Mizano two where Pecco led and then crashed out. So Fabio won. That race was probably the biggest one of the season. Yeah, won the title. That oh, and what, then what you, a weekend that was. That was sorry, that was just yeah. phenomenal. <laughs> and then you had Algarve and then Valencia. I think if you had to look at two boring races, it would be those two because at that point, like championships wrapped up. You yeah, know, you obviously nobody's really in. trying anymore. Yeah, we had a red flag in. Portimao, so we didn't even get like a because mm-hmm. that, that could have been all right with the Marquez, Alex Marquez, and Jack Miller battle for the podium. That looked quite yep. tasty. Um, just never really lived up to it though, did it? Um, no, with Valencia being Valencia, and it was sort of a bit naff, you know, like there was no real yeah. racing, was there? Um, so yeah, yeah, I think like. Those those last two are really the only boring races. Like everything else was really good. So I want to yeah, know we're what, gonna give... what 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 nomination you're giving. Okay. So on the challenge next... Fabio. Our next award, uh most what the hell did I just witness moment. Uh you're going with Fabio's leather incident. Yeah. I'm going with it was one which I forget which Qatar race. But you mean, where are you going to talk about the Mir and Miller thing on the straight? No, I'm going to talk about Jorge Martin being on a rocket coming from 14th to fourth. Yeah, in a matter cool. of a straight, like half of a straightaway. Yeah, that like I that was mental, but like seeing somebody's raw chest at 200 mile an hour was <laughs> enough for me to be like, "What on earth is happening?" <laughs> that was quite like, weird. I I definitely think, yeah, I would definitely say the Fabio thing was probably the biggest. Like, what's the chances um, of you seeing that as opposed to seeing somebody come from fourteenth to fourth? Fourteenth to fourth is very very rare, but it's something you can you can imagine seeing. Like if I said to you, picture the scene. You're in 14th, you're in 4th by the first corner. You'd be like, oh my god, that's amazing. But if I said to you, picture the scene, your leathers bust open mid-race and you've got like... Rider's leathers like, bust open. Yeah. Like bare like, chest hanging out. How do I even out. imagine that? Yeah. And so, then you keep racing. Yeah. And so don't that, zip up until the race is over. Yeah. <laughs> I think... To be fair, Fabio could be winning a few awards today. I mean, I know he does like winning, as, as, I... we, as everyone in the world knows now. Um, but the next award is the drink. Cause I think, I think the we, other... Clear, Fabio has won that award, Matt. Let's be honest. He... Well, I think the only other thing you could say like that might compare would be when Pecco went down at Mizano too. Because that was one of those things, like, you saw him go down, and like we talked about when we did that episode, when we reviewed that race, you, know, you saw it, and you're like, why are they showing the Miller crash again? And then, like, you almost jumped out of your seat, like, 
oh my god, it's Pecco. Yeah, that was it. I'd say that's not like the most what the hell did I just witness moment. I think that's more like the the most exuberating moment in a oh way. Oh my like god, your, moment. your emotions just like everything just went it, like <laughs> emotional eruption moment of the season. Yeah. So um, I'll, yeah, I'll give, I'll give it Fabio for that. I'm afraid. So the next award, the drinking water, drinking the water in Mexico award for the biggest risk taker of the season. I was just going to say, I think you could intertwine Fabio with this because of the fact that he carried on racing with if his you torso out. Think if you think this goes to anyone other than Brad Bender at Austria, we have a problem. <laughs> True, yeah, very true. That man that in the be, rain. That could be the what the hell on, I, I just witnessed moment as well, though. Like, that uh, moment okay, could probably yeah. take multiple awards. Yeah, okay, I think the, the most what the hell <laughs> moment would be, would be the leathers. Thing, best it's per- so out of the blue. Like, it's such a niche thing. But biggest risk, yes. Best performance in a crap right. race. Best performance in a crap race could be Brad because it was crappy weather and he did amazing things. Yeah. But like the the biggest risk, like that was the biggest risk because 100%, yeah, everyone else was like, you know, rain's coming down, it's cold, we're on slick tires, just going in. And Brad went, "No, fuck you." Yeah, Brad said, I, "It's like I don't do wet tires." He's like, "I can build a big enough gap. This won't even matter." And then, like, to come up to what is it turn? three the sharp right hander at the top of the hill and like you're watching him on the last lap and he's just like almost walking it around the corner because he had no front brakes anymore if he wound up the throttle he was gonna flip the bike over yeah it, no, for that, sure. it's, uh, it's one of those races i will definitely be telling the kids about whenever i do end uh-huh. up having uh, my own for sure, that that's that's going to be like the second they know a few words of the English language, going to be like, okay, great. Besides all that important stuff, I need to show you something more important. Brad Binder, twenty twenty one Austrian <laughs> GP, sit down and be educated. It's like <laughs> you're going to have flashcard. It's like Apple yeah. Binder with huge balls, cat. <laughs> Can be like, who won the Drinking Water in Mexico award on the Red Sector MotoGP podcast in 2021? Brad Binder. You're my son, goddammit. You are my son. <laughs> you have not been disowned. But, it, like, that was, like, just the biggest, riskiest, bossiest. Mm. Like, oh my name God. When, any when the, adjective. Yeah, when the bike was on its side and both wheels locked, I think... I think my stomach went so far <laughs> up that it, it actually became a third lung. Like I, 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 How do you I don't think even I know felt? what happened. Yeah, my, my body just tensed so much. It's like, I, I, I don't know if my well, body's ever experienced that before. And then, like, the the uh, camera director for that, like, that race, you know, for that last lap, he, like, they showed Bender at turn three, and then they didn't show Bender again for almost the whole lap because they started showing further back the other riders coming through trying to like mm. 
you know, keep it upright. And then they showed Pecco and uh, Mir coming through on wet tires. And then it was like, where's Bender in all this? And they finally cut back to him. He's made the last corner and is tiptoeing down the front straightaway. Yeah. Okay. And so Bender, it was like Bender definitely. It was just hundred yeah, percent. It was just one of those things like the whole thing of it where you're like, what's gonna happen? Is he gonna crash? You know, you're you're running through all these scenarios and then they cut away from for like a whole lap. You're like, where is he? What is he doing? Yeah. Is he like is he off the bike Johan Zarkoing it, like walking it across the finish line? Oh god. But so for our next award, we have the Dead Fish Award, which is the person we forgot was taking part in the season. This just sounds so harsh, but it, it it's not an easy answer, but it it just would be Savadori. It just that's, would. Yeah. I'm sorry to be like a bummer and pick somebody that's sort of generic for that kind of award, and I don't mean to shit on the guy, but when you've got a teammate that's a leash outperforming you every week, it's, you know, and the bike's not the best. It's, mm-hmm. it kind of plays hand in hand for knowing that it's like, Oh, Oh yeah. Savadori forgot about him. Right. And if you like, if you look at the overall standings through the year, there are one, two, three, four other riders that finished above him who participated in less races. You have, Above him in 25th is Danny Pedrosa. Did one race, scored more points. Yeah. Uh, Davizioso scored 12 points in only five races. Michael Pirro did three races, scored 12 points. And then Stefan Brottle did five races and scored 14. Salvadori participated in 10 races and scored four points. Yeah. Like okay then. Uh Savadori, you do win something this I think, year. You win the dead fish award. <laughs> yeah. The close second might be Morbidelli, just because he was out for a lot like five races. Yeah, um, but it would be harsh to pick somebody like that based on the fact they've been injured. Right. Do you know what I mean? This is and more that's the they've same been thing with... there and mm-hmm. when they were there they've been non existent. Yeah. And like when, like I said, when you're behind, you know, four other riders who were fill ins or wild cards, like that, that's bad. And yeah, he got injured. Uh, I think it's Styria. Yeah, the Styrian GP, he got injured. That was when he crashed with Pedrosa. I think he broke his foot. Mm, yeah. He broke something and then he was out, but then like, what the two races later at the um because he was out for the austrian gp and then great britain was next but that was when at that point um yeah he back he, he declared him fit didn't he during silverstone because mm-hmm. i remember he was but at that point with a leash vinales had already been put in there had he yeah Oh, uh, wait a minute. Oh, no, he didn't. No, he didn't take part. But it had, I think it had already been announced. No, because I seem to it, remember Maverick's first race at Aprilia was at Mazzano. Aragon. Oh, no, or Aragon, yeah. Yeah, Aragon was his 
first race of Aprilia Rider. Oh, I'm thinking, no, he tested, didn't he? Tested at Mizano, mm. then went to Aragon, then went back to Mizano. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Because they usually do Mizano before Aragon, but this year they did Aragon before Mizano. Right, yeah. But Sorry. So basically, Salvadori missed two, only missed two races, but then was replaced. He, he qualified for the second Mizano, but then didn't even start. He yeah. qualified 24th, then didn't even start the race. Yeah. Okay, so, well, well, moving on from us absolutely slating the bloke, <laughs> um, <laughs> we've got a few award suggestions from Everything Motor Racing Podcast. They've sent us mm-hmm. a few ideas. Um, yeah. We've got Most Improved Haircut, and I'd be impressed. <laughs> I'd be... <laughs> Be quite intrigued to see if anybody does have any other suggestions than what me and Matt have come to a conclusion with for this one. But I would see, give it and... Fabio based on the fact that he went from bright pink and bright bleach blonde hair to just normal, finally growing like, up and getting like... an adult haircut. <laughs> I mean, I'm all for for bleach, you know, and whatnot, and looking a bit quirky. But this quirky and then is just yeah, I think. It's safe to say, Fabio, you looked better in a world champion vest with normal hair than you did mm-hmm. or would have done in bright pink or bright bleach blonde hair. So I'll, I'll give Fabio that. It's more, it's not, yeah, I it's mean, not really an award you want because then it sort of magnifies how bad your haircut was. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, I grew up, yeah, I'm, I'm 32. I grew up with, you know, Eminem and through the 90s with all the bleach blonde and putting peroxide in your hair and all that stuff. It it looks good on certain people. And Fabio is not one of those certain people. Yeah. Um, we honestly, we, and we got to give a shout out for this award. Uh, we th- contemplated putting Matt Dunn in this award <laughs> just because he went from having like the biggest mop when he came back from break and then, you know, getting it cut later on. But we decided we were going to stick to MotoGP riders and try to leave the personalities out of this one. They've put worse shoes as an award, but I've got to be honest, I'm not an avid shoe connoisseur. I don't know shoes. Um, But I think I'm going to link this in with worse style as opposed to worse shoes and just give it Zarco. Just because Zarco... (laughs) I I never see Zarco and go, he's well-dressed. I look at Zarko and I'm like, what are you wearing? Like, if it's not race, <laughs> yeah. race, like team wear, I'm like, have you just gone through like the spare lost property bag and put anything on that's just left around in the paddock? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it Johan Zarko for that. Sorry, Johan, See, I know you're listening, and, but yeah. And I think the hardest part with that award is like, you don't get the, like in F1, you have where the rider or the drivers arrive and they're always like getting photographs to say like walk through the gate. Yeah. It's much more that's of a, usually a, like, a thing, isn't it? That... Yeah. It's like a fashion show almost. Cause that's usually where like Hamilton walks in and some like done up attire and yeah. You know, yeah. Stuff like that. But like MotoGP doesn't have that. So it's like where you really don't get that. That mm-hmm. whole like, where you can see who's the be- you know, best dress and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, Z- Zarko gets that one. Um, next one, best wheelies. 
Now, I think you and I have differing opinions because when we talked about this earlier, you said Valet and I said Miller. Yeah, I think stop is you give it Miller, but wheelie, no one can pull a wheelie like Valentino Rossi. No one. And no one can do it with such finesse. The guy will crank his right leg over the left side of the bike whilst got the bike cranked all the way up, nearly facing towards the moon, and then sort of like throw a peace sign in at the same time. And I'm like, I I, I, I think if I got one of those bikes, I'd stall it without moving it. Do you know what I mean? Like the guy <laughs> makes that look so easy. You just at 42 years old and just rocking that around. Like, yeah, come on. Valentina yeah. wins that. I couldn't even do a wheelie on like if i tried to do a wheelie on one of those bikes i'd probably snap the throttle too much and the bike would flip over on top of me yeah now for sure like jack winstop is jack winstop is valentino wheelies nothing to debate there i don't think I'm trying to think who else but then, a really good wheelie like who who else pulls good wheelies i don't peco bagnaia has uh... got a good wheelie in him yeah mark, mark, mark has mark has got a good wheelie does it, I don't think Mir does a lot of wheelies. Well, you got, you got to win races, aren't you? To <laughs> to do a few wheelies. Well, but even like like I'm trying to think of the ch- when he won the championship last year. He um, didn't do a bunch either. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm going valet. I'm sorry, you can't take okay. away from my from my man. Don't know who you're going for. Are you giving it Miller? But, Miller's, Miller is yeah. a good shout. He, he can pull a very good wheelie. I'll give you that. But Well, and not only can he do a wheelie, he did a bunny hop this year too. Yeah, but that's not that's not a wheelie, is I it? I mean, mind you, it's Portimao. So as you just come down the roller coaster, all you have to do is like roll off the throttle and like lunge forward so you pick your back wheel up. Hmm. Yeah. But I mean, it's not like he actually like literally like snapped the throttle and then flipped the bike so they did a bunny hop, but... Yeah. Uh, All right, then we'll, I'll yeah, give it we'll, Valentino. Yeah, I'm going to give it Miller. Um, and then the last one, worst pizza. And I feel like this is a very, like, one-sided. Like, there's only one choice. Yeah, I think we're talking... We are talking about the same thing, aren't we? That we, that we, that yeah. we said. Yeah. So, for anybody that um, is... A, a user of Instagram or I think it was Instagram or it might have been Twitter as well. I think a few people post about it. Andrea Mino gets his own award here because he had a pizza with what looked to be small pieces of pork, whether it be bacon or something or like ham or some sort, I don't know, with like hard boiled, not hard. Yeah. Yeah. It would look like a hard boiled egg, (laughs) loads of hard boiled egg with mustard on it. And I, oh my god, yeah, I, I just when when an American is sitting there saying, "Oh my god," to that, that's when you know that Ugh. something's not right. Um, I mean, we we may not do pizza the perfect way, but come on, that's an Italian doing that as well. Like, I think that makes it worse. Yeah, it definitely does. Definitely does. Uh, they, they were the last awards from Everything Motor Racing, I think. I'm going to ask you, Matt. Who would you give the award for the the biggest? Let's say Dark Horse, Dark Horse of 2021, and I'm taking that as though a rider that 
that's kind of been counted out on many times and sort of overlooked, but you think has had a brilliant year, but just not been noticed enough. And I want one from uh, each class. Oh, d- damn, each class? Uh, let me pull up. Because I'm going to need a list in front of me for that one. Because, I mean, MotoGP, just because that, I'll I'll do that one first, because I have the, like, that's fresh in my mind from looking at the list earlier. Dark Horse. Uh, I want to say, I almost want to say Zarco. Just because early on he was slated to like be battling. He what he was in, I think, the lead in the championship going into like the third race or something like that. Mm. And then he dropped off. But if you look at the standings, he still finished fifth. Yeah. He's uh, he's I think he's I'm on a with... he's on a satellite bike. And like I heard something interesting on another podcast. Like, you know, when when you start a season, when you're you know, between a factory team and a satellite team, when you start a season, you're on the same bike. By the end of the season, you're not even on the same bike anymore. True. Because the factory team get all the upgrades, they get all the data, they get all the fu- good stuff, and the satellite team is pretty much just taking the scraps. So for him to finish fifth on a satellite bike, you know, he beat out Marquez, Granite, Marquez, you know, had his season. Um, okay. I mean, the uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Zarco. Okay. Who would you go for Moto2? Moto2? I mean, me personally, I people will disagree with this, well, who, but I, I would go with Jorge are... Navarro, because he, he has very hot and cold seasons, but I genuinely think he's had an all right year this year. Not, not unbelievably outstanding, yeah. I'm not saying that. I just think he's had an all right year this year. I'd go with him. Well, who are you taking for MotoGP while I'm looking at this list? MotoGP. I think I'll go with Brad Binder. Because See, I... and that was the other one I was thinking of. Yeah, just because there's been many a time where he's pulled out like a solid top six or something, and it's sort of like, mm-hmm. well, he's a factory rider, so it's nothing great. And it's like, yeah, but look at where all the other KTMs are, and he's, you know... Yeah, right. done really well. So yeah, I give it Brad. Okay. Um see and I'm looking at the list of Moto Two riders and like there's names that are like popping out to me, but it's like you know DG, but it's like, well, he's going to a Moto GP team. I think Canada which, might be a good shout, considering the bar. And that's the one I'm looking at. That's the one I'm thinking of is Kinnett, but it's like, I feel like if Kinnett was on, I feel like he's a dark horse because of the bike he's on. Yeah, but you still, put like, it, he, he's still got that bike to that position. Yeah. Like. That's the one I'm looking at because, like, everyone else around him, it's like, that's the name that stands out. Like, you know, you got Remy, Raul both going up to MotoGP, Bedzeki going up. Lowe's is Sam Lowe's. Augusto Fernandez is going to the IO team. It's like there's nobody like and then DG going to MotoGP. 
Ayagura is, you know, more than 44 point or is 44 points behind him. So it, it's just like Kanet is like, yeah, I'm going to go with Aaron Kanet. Um, Moto three. Who are you looking at for Moto three while I pull up the list? Mm. See, I think this might be even harder. I'll go with a Yuma Sasaki. Because okay. I, I look at names around him, and I look at Dennis Onchu, who's kind of this soon-to-be race winner. I look at Mino, who's should have won a race, challenging for the lead of the t- championship at one point. Izan Guevara, race winner. Darren Binder, GP rider. Antonelli, gone up. Venati, gone up. And he's surrounded by those names. And again, it's just consistency that's got him there. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Sasaki, to be fair. And he's at it. Look, after what happened at Mugello, that that is something that you know that that's that's a lot to 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 put up with and to, to move on from. That is a hell of a lot. Um. So yeah, that'd be my pick. And for the final award of the year, Matt, who are you having as your most uh... horse? Oh man, this is hard. Because like there's so many names, or it's like <sighs> who'd you say you said? A... You said a you Sasaki. Right? Yeah, Sasaki. Yeah. I'm gonna take Izan Guevara. Nice. Yeah, besides he, his win, he, ha, he has been very, very solid. Like, uh-huh. I mean, he's come on very well. Yeah, I look and at that, like, like Valencia, where his teammate like barged him off near enough. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, imagine, imagine if, and it's it's almost like Artigas. Besides Valencia, he's been very unlucky. Yep. He's the kid's got so much pace, and it's like, I just wish he'd, his results would show a bit more of a dark horse, sort of like overlooked. But yeah, Guevara is a good shout. Sorry, I'll let you give your reasonings. No, it's just like looking, like I said, looking at, yeah, I'm looking at the standings and just some of the names around him. And it's like, you know, he's definitely, he's not performing as well as his teammate, but he's definitely doing better than mo- most of the field out there. And your teammates are I mean, a title contender with experience. You're yeah. a rookie, like, you know. Unless you're Pedro Costa, so, you know. It doesn't really apply to you. Actually, one more award, Matt. I'm not sure um, the answer to. Can you just tell me the award for the MotoGP World Champion of 2021? <laughs> it's, it's, it's on the tip of my tongue. Some French schmuck. What's his name? I've actually still got. I don't know if I still have it. To be fair, but I, I did see it um, on my files the other day. I clipped you um, after he won the world title in. Was it Portimao they raced after? And you were like, yeah, who's yeah. the guy that went down? And you were like, Fabio, oh, oh, Fabio, oh, oh. And I was like, I could just clip that and just put that on Twitter to anybody slating. Or like, 
who do you reckon will win this weekend? Or who do you reckon will be able to like, clip <laughs> you just going, Fabio, oh, oh, Fabio, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, well, at least I gave you that. I still have the clip you sent me. Uh, it's saved to my phone. And every, like when I go through my pictures, every, like I'll be scrolling through my pictures and there's you with your hand in the air like we are the champions in the background. <laughs> I'm like, you, and, like, and I scroll through it and every time I'm like, you dipshit. <laughs> yes. We love to see it. We love to see it. <laughs> anything for anything hey. for my boy. I mean, literally, like, I'm oh. sat I'm sat now with my laptop in front of me. Who who's the screensaver? <laughs> Fabio. Fabio. Walking oh, down oh, the oh. runway. Phone in front of me. Fabio. Fabio. Oh, oh. Fabio. <laughs> oh, oh. Loves it. Oh, yeah. And uh Something else we have that uh, we missed in the news. Um, Top Rack won World Superbike, oh, so it, oh, it's a Yamaha sweep oh, for the year. Oh, I, I, I think you, I just you, you spoil me. You spoil me, mate. You really do. <laughs> wow, what a year for the boys in blue! World Superbikes, yeah. tick. MotoGP, tick. Japanese World Super, uh, Japanese Superbike, tick. BSB, tick. Moto America, tick. Uh, what else did we win? MX2, if you want to count that, tick. We, <laughs> Yamaha, uh, sorry, not Yamaha, eSports World Championship, tick. We do it all. Jesus. We do it all. We do not mess about. We do not do if, buts, and maybes. We do absolutes at Yamaha. We do the job's worth. And I tell you what, I don't think there could be a better year for a factory than that. Thinking about it, I, I don't. I don't know. No. That is like I know. Jokes aside, me obviously being biased towards it, but jokes aside, what a year for a factory. Genuinely, the dominance to win that much. Like, can you imagine being Honda, the biggest factory in Japan by a country mile, with the size and the stature of that that factory, looking over at your mm. rivals and they, they've. They're a lot smaller, not a lot smaller, but well, in the context of Honda, yeah, anyone's smaller in Japan, and they've won everything that you haven't even got close to winning, and I love like it, that... <laughs> and I love that it. That is probably the biggest kick right between the legs. And if we do it again next year, we'll do it again the year after, and the year after that, <laughs> and the year after that, and the year after that. Merry Christmas, Honda. Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I hope every Honda fan has a wonderful Christmas and wakes up on Christmas morning to, oh, yeah, they didn't win a championship. So I'll just say they're, um, oh, the, where did they finish? P5 in Constructors Celebration t shirt? I don't know. I can't remember how far <laughs> down they finished. Or maybe a World Superbike winning. Oh, yeah, they don't win anything there either. Um, what did Honda it's win Well, it's year? either Yamaha it's in, uh Wait, did you say World Superbike? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Unless there's a Mark Marquez on the bike. It's either going to be Yamaha bike, or KTM. What else do Honda win? Or, uh, in World Superbike, it's either going to be Yamaha or Kawasaki. Yeah, I'm just... I, sorry, I'm just trying to think of anything that they've won without Mark being on it. Oh, yeah. Nothing. Anyway... 
some things never change. Um, you know, well, just any excuse to have a little have a little go at them. And any excuse. Anything you can do, just a jab at them. Yeah, anything, anything. I love it. I love it, especially when the boys in blue are doing that good. So you know, just just a quick reminder again. It was Yamaha that won all that. Just just so in case no one caught what I said a minute ago, <laughs> it was it was Yamaha. Just just so people know. Well, I'm I'm tr- I'm looking up one other thing before we go because what does he ride for? Dylan Fernandez. Pro motocross, Yamaha Racing. Oh yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there you go. Because I'm, I knew I'm like, okay, well, um, oh, why can't I think of his name? He won Supercross. I'm not into as the the Supercross as much as I am like the the MXGP, which we, we didn't win. To be fair, we didn't, we didn't win the MXGP, but no, hey, that was uh, I'll, Jeffrey Hurlings. Yeah, KTM. Yeah, not not Honda. Funnily enough. They didn't win that either. Ah, what a shame. You made super cro- Nope. Who? Really oh, upsetting, isn't it? It's really, it's really upsetting that, that, you know, the biggest factory, one of the biggest factories in the world <laughs> can't win anything. And, yeah, it's just, you know, it's really, it just keeps me up at night. It really does. Why can I not find it? Uh, Cooper Webb. That's it. Oh, Cooper yeah. Webb won Supercross. And then, uh, yeah, Jeffrey Hurlings won uh, MXGP 450. Actually, you know what? I take it back about Honda. Not all of it. Just the slight bit where I said anyone other than Marquez, they won't win anything because they do win um, trials events with Tony Bao. He, he's insane. If you ever, if anyone's into trials or, you know, like just anything that's, off off road, proper off road, like in the in the sticks, getting a bike on a on a twig that's thin as pa- a, a slice a, a slice a piece of paper. That man could ride over it like it's insane. So other than him, other than Tony Bow and Mark Marquez, they have had nothing this year. So Merry Christmas to Honda. I just want to send my do, lovely do- warming commiserations for this year i hope you have a worse year next year do you do you want to keep going because i could add to it no no honestly matt after you you know Super i'll be the i'll be Super the great Cross british citizen and i'll let you in in the queue <laughs> carry on supercross 250 justin cooper yamaha racing oh oh well so it wasn't honda that won that then no no, it was it was for pro motor across the season. The Yamaha won four fifty and two fifty. Like I say, we do it all. We do it all, literally. Name it. We've won it in recent years, basically. Other than like the odd thing, we've won it. Just, oh no! It's just hard um, being that good. Really, I've been such an arsehole, but I love it. I love it. Um, I've got to. If, if there's going to be one year I can do it, it's this year. So I'm taking full advantage. Yeah. So Justin Cooper won the um, Supercross 250. Promotocross was just Jet Lawrence. Oh, yeah. 
who I think is Haunt. Yeah, Honda. Yeah, he's the guy. So my, he the guy that, up. Um, met with Mark as at Austin. Is that him? It was either Jed or Hunter. They're both they're brothers. I think it was Jed. I think they were both there. Yeah, maybe. Because but while Jed they was were the one there, they did that bet with, isn't it? With a donut thing. I think so. Because that um the last on the breaks, they interviewed both of the Hunter brothers. Hmm. So yeah, it well, seems like if it wasn't uh Yamaha, it was a KTM this season. I'm sure we're well, gonna get people from like I think you're scraping the barrel a bit there, but yeah, <laughs> I, I get yeah, I, I, I will get... take what I can. <laughs> yeah. Could be worse. Could be Honda. I bet you a KTM won the Dakar. <laughs> I bet you we won yeah. the Dakar. <laughs> I mean that that's like saying, you know, like there's certain things that are just that just will happen in life. It's like death, taxes, and <laughs> KTM winning the Dakar rally. Like, you know, it's not <laughs> it's not it's not necessarily a competition, is it? No. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, just before we go, considering the time of year that it's at, not who mm-hmm. you want to win, but who do you think will win the F one world title this weekend? Oh, I, boy. I think Hamilton will win it. I said four yeah. or five weeks ago, I think Hamilton will turn it around and win it in Abu Dhabi. Um, Mind you, we're recording this on the 9th, so it's the Thursday before the race. Um, yeah, so no, no so practice sessions have happened. Cars yet. have not even been on track yet. They had the press conferences earlier. <sighs> See, and they put, I, I think it was WTF1 put out a poll on Twitter, and it was, who do you... Yeah, it was like, who do you want to win? Who do you think will who win? Who do you want and to win? Blah, 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 and who like, do you think yeah. will win? And there was a third option, too. Who yeah. do I want to win? I want Max to win. Yeah, so do I. And people probably say, Who do I oh, think you're will British. win? Like, why would you It'll not be Lewis. Like Lewis? Yeah, yeah. But for me, it's just, I like to see people new win things. I don't like seeing the same person exactly. all the time. And I don't know, like Louis. I, I like Lewis. I do like him. I respect him a hell of a lot for what he's done away from being an F1 driver. But I just like Max a hell of a lot. I really do. He's. I've taken to Max, and when I put F1 on and I think of these boring races, I can't think of one where Max is involved because Max doesn't make races okay, boring. I, I got the three here. Who do you want to win the title? Max. Who do you think will win the title? Lewis. Who do you think deserves the title most? Max. Max. I I, I went with Max Hamilton. Max. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that, yeah, that's everyone. The only three right answers to that. <laughs> everyone else agrees with us. For one, it's sixty-two point four for Max. For question two, it's seventy-three point five for Lewis, and for question three, it's sixty-five point seven for Max. So yeah. yeah, the whole world agrees with us. Yeah, Max deserves it more. Like Max, Max has had some shit luck at times. And, well, and you figure favoritism. He's won nine races. A bit, you know. You know, you figure Max has won nine races. He's led them. He's led more laps than like the whole field combined. Wait, Max has won nine races this year. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. Cool. I mean, because think, the whole let me think. Um, everyone like the whole thing is if if they were to crash each other out like Prost and Senna did at turn one, 
Max, Max wins, wins by yeah, default wins. because of wins. Yeah, but they've had a meeting, haven't they, about all that sort of stuff today? Oh, I'm sure um, they have. So wait, let me think. Spa, he won Spa, he won Zandvoort, he won Imola. He can't have won nine there was a race year, at can Spa? he? He can't have won nine. Uh, hold on, I'm pulling it up now. Uh, nine this year, two Austrias, that's five. So, you might be right, you Im- know, I don't know. Im- Imola? Yeah. Uh, Monaco? Yeah, Monaco, yeah. France? France. Yeah, Austria you, one, right, Austria yeah. two, Belgium. So Spa. Get off my screen. Add Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Austin. United States, Mexico. Oh yeah. Nine. Nine. Fucking hell. But yeah. Hamilton has won. Bahrain. He's won six. Portugal. Seven. Barcelona. Great Britain. Uh, Russia, Brazil, and then Brazil, Qatar, and Saudi Arabia. So eight. So Max has nine, Lewis has eight, and then also in there is Checo with one, Ocon with one, Ricardo with one, Bottas with one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. Just a quick little time like it, there to, to F1, seeing as yep. that's the only thing that's sort of big and still, still going. going. Um, uh, yeah. The Bathurst 1000 was recently. That was the, Yeah, that I was going to reply weekend. to your tweet, actually. It was about 5 a.m. in the UK, and I was still awake. <laughs> and I was like, I don't uh, want abuse today. It was today. only like midnight <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't want the abuse of staying awake today. I was like, I'll, I'll go to bed, Dad. <laughs> I was like, I know for a fact you'll um, do it. the response wouldn't even be related to <laughs> racing. It would just be like, yeah. shut up. Why are you still bed. awake? Go to bed. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the other thing is Kimmy's last race. Yep. Yeah. So it'll be sad to see him go. Um, I, I did like the, did you see the message the team put on the car? Yeah, they put. Um, Dear Kimmy, we will leave you alone now. Did they put, um. Thanks from everyone to Antonio in Italian. It says grazie di tutto. Yeah, thanks from everyone. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then uh some somebody asked Kimmy, it's your final race this weekend. Are you looking forward? He goes, I'm looking forward to when it's done. Classic Kimmy. Yep. Loves it. Right, Matt, give us the rundown and All then right. we'll call this a day. Yeah, so uh Thanks for tuning in. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Red Sector MotoGP. Be sure to follow myself at Matt Polanski one. Be sure to follow Bono at Bono GP underscore. Be sure to follow Josh at Josh Wilson or Wilson J one ninety four. Um, please be sure to leave us a five star rating review if you can. It would really help. Um, Quick thing before we go, the Spotify wrapped was last weekend, I think it was. Yes. Um, four of you on Spotify have listened to us more, four fans listen to most of our your podcast. Whoever those four people are, you're insane. And You've listened to most of our podcasts, you're a crazy person. Yeah, and nine people 
Nine people listen to us more than any other podcast. What better? Like, do you have nothing better to do with your life? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not only that, like people go four, nine, like that is that is baby numbers. Podcast wise, that's that's you know for for how much of a baby podcast we are is not bad, and Mm -hmm. we know our numbers on percentages based on what app is used the most, and Spotify isn't even close to being the most. Spotify no, is not even second, like but it's... yeah it, it yeah but it's not even close to com- compared to like Google no. and, and Apple and whatnot or whatever it is that um that is like a big lot of of you guys that listen are on there so if they were to do a wrapped maybe going off an average it would be like close to twenty people that would listen to our podcast genuinely like I, I sit there and edit, and edit these podcasts and I sit there and go at times why is someone still listening at this point? Like, are you not really bored? Like surely me and Matt <laughs> bore the life out of everyone listening right now. Surely you're sitting there going, oh, come on, finish it already. We don't want to hear Just an outro that's this up. long. Like, come on, let me hear the Yamaha, Yamaha, Yamaha fired out of the back straight of guitar. Like that's what you want to be listening to. You want to hear the outro and you just want to go to bed. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you're one of those nine people, you need some vitamin D. You need to get yourself out a bit more because <laughs> it can't be us that's keeping you going this year. I'll tell you that much. But but jokes aside, massive appreciation for everybody that we... Um, Thank you so much. Yeah. You like, have no idea how much it means to us. Yeah, like even like the small messages and whatnot that, that we get and recommendations and... I don't know, like some people that have messaged me have been like... Um, Oh, by the way, I'm not, I'm not name names because I don't know what people are like. With I know like Armo doesn't mind because it's, it's Armo. Um, but I got a message like four or five weeks ago saying that they'd um, recommended us to a friend, and they were like, they just now are just listening every single week. That to me is baffling. Like someone's gone like, oh yeah, check these out, and then they've actively gone away and listened to their mate, and then they actually listen every week genuinely whoever you are like what <laughs> why but uh, again like full full appreciation for that um and i've seen a couple of you recommenders to other pages and people on twitter again massive appreciation and of course if mm-hmm. you are listening and you're new and you want to be involved in conversation with us um not just specifically us but our community go on uh my twitter at bono gp underscore and the the podcasters page on Twitter actually follow the link, join the Discord, and yep, you know, have a chat with us. We don't bike. There's plenty of people on there to discuss bikes and anything else with all sorts of stuff, and keep each other company over the winter, I suppose, because we have nothing to do with our lives. Yeah, but uh, we will be back with some uh, more fun episodes we got planned. So uh, with that, keep the throttle pinned. Oh, my God.